Hello and welcome to Scientifically Speaking, Cornell University's educational science talk show. Dave's here and sitting with me again are Zach and Shane and we're back on for the first time in five weeks. Yeah, it's been it's been a real long time since we've been in this station. Uh, we've had some technical difficulties. We're really excited to be back. We're still kind of having some technical difficulties. <laughs> we only have two microphones for the three of us, so so it's okay. Zach and I are just pushing our faces. They're really, really together. close together like, right so now. Close. It's great. I love it. Anyway, so anyway, uh, <laughs> let's get to what we're talking about today. So uh, what we're going to cover today is the recent comet landing that happened a couple weeks ago, and this is so cool. I'm so excited to cover this and. Um, Basically, what this is, is this is a historic mission uh, led by the European Space Agency, and what they did is they landed a little robotic lander on a comet that's traveling around the sun, which is absolutely insane if you know anything about how comets works and how comets work, and you're about to. So, uh, this mission started more than 10 years ago, which is just insane. So, on March 2nd, 2004, they actually launched this thing, which... Again, the whole idea behind this and building of the craft, it took even longer, but it's been in space for a decade. So this is the spacecraft that actually got launched is called the Rosetta, and uh, it had a lander attached to it, which, call, which was called the Philae, and it was going to land... Philae. It's Philae. I always screw that up. It's so hard to... Philae. <laughs> got it. Okay. So, <laughs> the um, and then it landed on a comet, which was... Uh, is designated 67P because it's a periodic comet, as in it comes back around, it orbits the sun. Uh, orbits the sun uh, once every six and a half years. Yes. <laughs> and it's the 67th one we found, so 67P. It's also, do you want to pronounce this, Dave? What's <laughs> 67P Churyumov Drasimenko, named after the two Russian scientists who discovered it. And uh, in uh, it was originally discovered in 1969 by the Hubble Space Telescope. No, it wasn't. Oh what? That's a that was a poorly written notes we got here. It was they found it uh, with like more regular type telescopes in 1969. But for the mission, they wanted to take images of it and see what the deal was. So in 2003, the Hubble Space Telescope took some detailed images of it. And the funny thing about that <laughs> is that uh, it took some images and it's like, oh yeah, it looks like we can land on that comet. It's about it looks like it's an, an ellipsoid, kind of like football shape. An ellip- yeah, an ellipsoid is an oblong sort of circle that's uh, that lots of planets and things in space follow. That's what the actual orbit of the Earth is. It's an ellipse, not a circle. But uh, it turns out it's uh, it's not ellipsoid. Um, it's kind of lumpy looking. It's got like two heads in a way. Sort of like Zach. Hey. <laughs> It's really annoying to like have to like insult him quickly by taking the mic from him and then giving it back to him. This is like really annoying. <laughs> okay. All right. So it has this weird two-headed thing. Um, why? That seems bizarre. Yeah. So uh, they don't know for sure, but uh, the leading theories are, one, that it's the result of two comets just kind of smashing into each other and getting stuck. You know, not unreasonable if you look at it. Uh, another possibility is that uh, there was a ton of ice on the surface or making up the bulk of the comet, which sublimated. It went from being solid ice to liquid water vapor, and along with it, the dust that was... Eh. Gaseous water vapor, not liquid water yeah. vapor. That was stupid. <laughs> I think ice, yeah. <laughs> yes, vapor is gaseous. Um, so, uh, along with it, when that sublimated off, any dust that was contained within the ice also went with it. Uh, it's curious that it happened in that pattern, if that is the case, but it is a possibility. Essentially, what happened was that it just sort of... Uh, could have been just an ice layer that essentially just turned into water vapor and left this like weird shape behind. And this this comet is really weird shape. It essentially looks like two like nubs just connected to each other. It's super weird looking. Go go look at a picture of uh, 67P. Uh, good luck spelling Chordiumov Jurassic though. 
Um, yeah, I actually, I actually want to go back one topic because I forgot to mention we were talking about like, you know, we were talking about orbits and like ellipsoids and the weird shape that we should also talk about like why and how um, the 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 little space robot has been in space for ten years. If you guys, I mean, I've I've seen like a little like little graphic showing its path. It's so insane. We got to we'll, we'll post we'll post on our blog post. We'll definitely post like a gif of like that thing moving around but it's completely unbelievable the path that they someone figured out how to send it across like multiple planets and little debris in space and like finally land it on this comet real far away like 10 years in the future from when they launched it yeah it's it's pretty amazing the, the way they actually sent uh rosetta out was like they launched it around earth and then they had it just essentially whiplash around all these other planets and things in the way so it had the perfect place to land on the comet basically yeah. it was 10 years of humanity's greatest trick shot <laughs> whipping around planets the sun mars it's it's actually insane how long it took and so zach and i were looking at some of the um how this actually works when uh things like this uh whiplash around a comet so you want to talk a little bit about that yeah so uh gravity assists which are basically what these things are called are very interesting because um if you just imagine a stationary planet and you imagine a sort of uh, something circling around. So it's coming from far away. It approaches it. And as it approaches it, gravity pulls on it, makes it go faster and faster, accelerating it towards the planet. But it's not heading directly towards the planet. It's a little bit offset. So what happens is it curves around the planet and ends up with the same speed as it started with relative to the planet, but going in a different direction because it curved around the planet. And so you think like, okay, you can change your direction, but you can't change the speed of the spacecraft. But the important thing is that in this picture, you you don't change speed relative to the planet, but you may change speed relative to another reference point, such as the sun. Mm. So the planet is moving around in this orbit mm-hmm. as you are coming towards it, curving around it, and leaving. And so the way it works out, which is, I would try to describe it, but I'd need to draw something. <laughs> you need some vectors and things going on. So you can Google that. It's called the Gravity Assist. There are a number of websites, including Wikipedia, that give an explanation of it uh but it's pretty pretty cool and also kind of weird yeah that's crazy and we did that with not only the sun but with other planets and lots of other things in order to actually get this probe to land where we wanted it to land well we we didn't do it with the sun, it wasn't with the sun. We, we, we did one with mars and three with earth i believe in for this mission and it's we've been doing this since like the 70s i think one of the missions uh did it for the first time it was super successful, and so we just kept. Yeah, well, there was it. there was the big deal with the gravity assist around the moon, with what Apollo thirteen, to, that was like that that was like a big part of that mission was they were not going to make it, and then they oh, pulled yeah. a gravity assist around the moon to shoot, and that was the first time it happened. We're like, wait, we could just do this on purpose, and it'll save people and slash time and gas and fuel and robots. I don't know if that was the first time it was done, but okay, it's certainly an important example. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Um. Okay, so we've been talking about comets a lot. Um, so what exactly, like, what makes something a comet as opposed to, like, anything else? Is that, Are they the same as asteroids? Because, like, that's another thing that flies around in space. Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, comets and asteroids, in terms of uh, how normal people talk, they tend to be used sort of interchangeably. And that's not exactly correct. They are There are differences between comets and asteroids. So... A comet is a, a small solar system body that's made up of rock and mostly ice, too. It's got a lot of ice, uh, frozen water in it, which helps make up 
what it is. Whereas an asteroid is made up of uh, rocks and metals. So asteroids don't have ice in them. The, the big difference is composition. Asteroids don't have ice. Um, comets do. So uh, other differences between comets and asteroids come in how they work. So um, comets have tails and asteroids don't. The reason that comets have tails is because of the ice water in them. So as, uh, for example, when a comet goes uh, towards the sun, some of the water starts to sublimate and boil and becomes gaseous, right? And so when you see a comet's tail, what you're actually seeing is the dust and water vapor coming off of the comet. So as, as the sun hits it, it's like melting the water and like pushing it off the um, cool. uh, comet. But there's actually what's interesting is that comets have two tails. One is the dust tail, which like makes sense. The other tail of a comet is called the ion tail. And what this tail is, is essentially just um, uh, uh, electrons and protons coming off of the comet being pushed by solar radiation from the sun, solar wind from the sun. And it's, it's, a, it's super bizarre. This <laughs> other tail that you can see on a comet isn't actually like dust or anything. It's like tiny... Uh, particles that are being pushed by essentially radiation. Yeah, so it's basically it's an ionized gas that's uh, lining up with the electric field, li- uh, magnetic field lines coming off of the sun. That's so cool. And the coolest thing about it <laughs> is that if you were to watch the orbit from like above the plane of its orbit, mm-hmm. you kind of you know looking from above, it circles around the sun. Sure. The ion tail always points directly away from the sun. Oh, that's weird. So as you see it, like you oh, know, shoot around the sun, this, there's this like laser-like line shooting off of the back of it. Crazy. It's real awesome. Oh, so we could, depending on where the comet is, we could like potentially see that sometimes from Earth if we're looking at a comet. Right. Yeah, right. that should be possible. Yeah. And then the the dust tail leads to some interesting visual effects. Right. Depending I mean, sh- on. So that's shooting stars, right? Is that shooting stars? No. <laughs> oh man. So so. Okay. What's a shooting a star? Shooting star. What you're seeing when you see a shooting star or a meteor shower is when uh, a small body enters Earth's atmosphere, and the tail that is created is the thing burning up in Earth's atmosphere uh, because of falling, because it's okay. falling through right. a fluid, and it's friction you know burning up this small object so when you see a shooting star you're not seeing like an asteroid or a comet flying around the sky what you're seeing is something actually falling onto earth from really high up yeah and so the classification for a meteoroid which is what they're called when they're they're still in space okay um is just essentially like a very tiny asteroid okay (laughs) so little they're at like at most like a meter wide got it um and can oh, be wow. much really smaller, smaller, like literally rock-sized. Okay. Um, and when it it is a shooting star, then it's called a meteor. And when it impacts Earth, it is then a meteorite. So oh, that's so annoying. Yeah, oh, yeah. interesting. So that's what those different... Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I've heard all of those right. and had no... But I, okay, that's reasonable. Those are the distinctions, <laughs> Okay, yeah. cool. I like that. Um, okay, cool. So we're talking a lot about like comets and apparently asteroids and meteors and meteorites and meteoroids. Um, and, uh, but okay. So like, so why, like, why, like, why, tell me, please, why do I care about this block of ice and rock somewhere really, really far away in space? Like, why does this matter at all? Okay. Well, uh, for this show, we're not really going to be talking about asteroids or meteorites or whatever, but, um, at least for asteroids, I can give you a quick answer to that. The reason we care about asteroids in general is because they were formed from very early, uh, they were formed very early on in our solar system's formation. So they can explain a little bit about how our solar system came to be depending on what sort of materials make them up. 
also asteroids are important because they knocked out the fucking dinosaurs. So <laughs> kind of a big deal a little bit because they affect life on Earth just by hitting the shit out of us. Um, so comets in general are important also because they also punched Earth in the face a lot, especially in the early days of Earth's formation. So like when Earth was formed about, what, four and a half billion years ago, comets were hitting us all the time, like all the time. And what's interesting about comets is, well, they're ice, right? What's interesting is that there's um, a really good um, scientific evidence to suggest that a lot of the water on Earth is from comets. Uh. The original source of our water on Earth is from these dirty ice wow. balls crashing on Earth's surface. That's so bizarre. So that I mean, like, so it came from from not Earth, like it, from space. Yeah, it came from so water. The water, on the water Earth, like, is, is a very good and chance water's it came like, from space. Water's like the shit. That's like yeah, water is like like we survive important. because of like everything that we know about life is like because of water. Yes, and that just didn't come from here at all. Uh, no, no, no. So. Okay. They don't. We don't know the entire origin of water on okay. Earth, right? And so, right now, it seems that probably the majority of it um, just came from general formation of the Earth when it mm. first amalgamated from that dust cloud and all those things. There was water okay. hanging out. Okay. But the reason that there's this theory that some of it, like a significant portion of it, came from comets is because people went and analyzed comets, right? They looked at them, and they looked at the water on there. And they looked at the ratio of deuterium to protium on in the water. So what that means, yeah, please. Protium is just your regular old hydrogen atom. Okay, okay. so okay. we'll just call it hydrogen from it's now hydrogen. on. Um, and so deuterium is that same thing with a neutron. Okay. So it's got. It's they're, what they're measuring is essentially an isotopic ratio of elements in um, Earth and in these comets. Got and it. what they found is that. Um, in this comparison, that uh, there were a lot of comets that hit us, and a lot of water that they found came from these comets. Yeah, basically, the the ratio that they found on comets, right. which should be different than terrestrial amounts, because mm-hmm. in co- uh, in space there's solar heating, which causes certain chemical reactions, which and yeah. it's more likely in space for there to be more deuterium. Okay. Uh, similar ratios on Earth and in comets. Okay. So that's the big thing. Like, whoa, that Got doesn't it. just happen. So, so like that composition in theory would have happened like without our atmosphere, but then it somehow got in probably from a right. comet hitting us. Cool. Okay. But that's not all. Yeah, please tell me more. Comets are also important because um, water and rock is not the only thing that's on them, potentially. Um, what they found in a lot of comets is um, organic materials, so carbon-based molecules. And... Because of the amount of impacts that we had in the formation of early Earth, there there's a lot of scientific evidence to suggest that, well, maybe a lot of the organic compounds that we have on Earth are not from Earth. Okay. So, essentially, like, what if there's this, there's this idea of, like, well, what if we're essentially aliens? What if we are, what if the organic compounds that are on Earth are from space? Right. And, you know, didn't just magically appear here. What if comets brought these organic compounds to Earth? And they did. 
they they have and they did but we don't know how much it right. actually affected yeah the so we don't know how much of that was like and, yeah. there before and we don't the know if, like, yeah exactly okay. we don't know that like life started from these organic compounds that right. came from comets but Crazy. the fact that comets can bring organic compounds to <laughs> so earth nuts. and potentially affect the life on earth is super important and that's why we're studying these that's why we're sending these uh probes to analyze what exactly a comet is what it's made out of and if it's possible to have helped us and one of the specific things they're looking for is like maybe maybe there are amino acids on comets and so rosetta is designed to be able to detect oh, those cool. and amino acids are essentially the building blocks of life we talked up about proteins. that a few yeah. weeks ago <laughs> so um, yeah there you yeah go. cool that's like uh that's like that movie prometheus I right? didn't see it. Oh, dude. Neither of you have seen it. No one, the, is that like a prequel to Alien? It's supposed to be a prequel to Alien, but they imply... Does they, it have Sigourney Weaver in it? They, uh, oh, no. Then I pass. <laughs> um, it, uh, but no, no, no. They, they imply in that movie that... Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to spoil the big twist for anyone listening. Close your, Spoiler alert. Close your ears if you haven't seen it and care, um, which probably isn't the case by now. <laughs> um, but uh, the whole point of that movie, there was like the, these aliens that they find that like were suggested to have made humans and then sent them to Earth and or left Ooh. them on Earth. Which obviously, this is not what we're saying right now, but it's a similar idea. Like, somehow, life, you know, not life forms, but, like, the things that eventually became life forms came from other places. Super cool. Um, are, are there any other important reasons that we should study comets? That's pretty much, uh, that pretty much covers, like, why we're cool. doing this mission in general. Yeah, essentially, as a whole, like, Learn things about Earth, its right. oceans, its atmosphere, potentially the origin of life, and uh -huh. learn information about the solar system, how it formed, how it developed, how we ended up with, like, Earth this way, and the planets arranged in a certain way, and why they're made up of what they are. So this is just, like, straight badass sciencery. Yeah. This is just, like, just the coolest, purest science about just, like, shit that has been forever. Pretty much. That's so cool. Okay. Shit that's that has been forever. That's, that's my new band's <laughs> album. Um, that'll be out May 15th. <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay. Um, okay. So, so we talked, we touched on this a little bit, but like, what are we learning from, like, what are we trying to learning and have we learned anything from Rosetta or yeah. Like what's the deal? Well then I guess it's important to talk about like the mission as a whole then before we get okay. to like what exactly we've learned so far. So I'm going to turn it over to Zach cause Zach knows about this mission very well and it's, <laughs> it is hilarious. You're going to love it. So, uh, the major super duper cool awesome important thing about this mission is that this is the first spacecraft that we've ever made that has orbited a comet we've had flybys we've had stuff like that but we've never actually straight up legitimately orbited a comet uh and additionally we also this is the first time an instrumented craft has landed on a comet because there was one mission before that nasa did where they flew by a comet and they shot essentially what was just an enormous camera at the comet and it just smashed into it and kicked up a bunch of dust and made a crater and then from all that kicked up dust they could analyze it and then see how it impacted made the crater so they could tell sort of what the properties of the surface were and so that's called an impactor it just like smashes into the comet okay. and that's literally it was a big block of metal that with some guidance systems to make sure it hit its target and a camera to okay. just take pictures of the surface basically they used nasa used a gun with cameras as bullets to <laughs> hit rocks in space because that's what you do if you're nasa that's awesome so uh when it first started right we uh we launched the whole rosetta spacecraft with the philly Philey. Philey. i 
can't keep it straight, man. Highly. It do- okay, the reason he's having so much trouble is because you look at the word, it does not look like it would be pronounced phyle. There's an A in the last syllable. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's of Greek origin, and I'm trying to pronounce it like it's Latin, and it's, it's falling yes. apart. So, <laughs> uh, right, so they launched it, and they spent the first few months kind of still hanging around in the near solar system, just doing maneuvers and making sure, I mean, this is more the first month, maybe the second, uh, just making sure everything worked. Like, they would just float around and be like, all right, make sure it can, like, spiral in this direction, like, fire thruster. Oh, good, it works. Okay, make sure this works. And, like, within the first month or two, they're like, all right, let's turn on this instrument, pop open that door. Didn't work. They're like, hmm, good thing we have a backup thing that pops uh, it open. Pop, works fine. Like, all right, we're still good. And okay. so they, they do this extensive testing before and after launching it to make sure that it works. So before they even, like, send it out, they uh, put it under tests that involved heating the outside surfaces to more than 150 degrees Celsius and then wow. cooling them to under 180 degrees Celsius uh, and making sure that the instruments still under, worked and everything still held together. Yeah, negative 180. Yeah. Did I not say negative? Nope. <laughs> yeah, negative 180 degrees Jesus Celsius. Jesus Christ, that's like, really cold. <laughs> pretty freaking cold. And uh, so the way it was uh, set up is that they sent it out uh, on a specific path to start, yeah. but it wasn't like they, like we talked about before how they like, oh, they predicted the whole thing the whole way through. Not quite. Okay. So uh, when it started out, they had to basically figure out about where it was going to be in 10 years. Uh-huh. And they managed to narrow down its location to within about, mm, like it being the comet. Yeah, the comet. Okay. So they had, they were not 100% sure where the comet would be in 10 right. years. Okay. They, That's, uh, <laughs> it's hard to hit your target when you don't know where it's going right. to be by so, the time your bullet gets so there. So they managed to narrow it down to uh, and uh, like being within about uh, 15 million miles of one spot. So yeah, pretty <laughs> so close, many right? Miles. Yeah, no. <laughs> so what happened was is uh after like before each gravity assist, yeah. Uh they managed oh. to get better images of right. it. And they could correct with the gravity assist to send okay. it where they wanted. Okay. And so the big one was the Mars gravity assist. Sure. And uh, that was when it was like the Rosetta was close enough to mm-hmm. it for its cameras to be able to detect its position to within like a few miles. Okay. So oh, wow. millions of oh, okay. miles Holy crap. to like a few miles. That's awesome. Right? Yeah. Which so, is still, it's hilarious though. Cause it's like, yeah, only a few miles. A few miles though. Like, right. This thing is like, this is not a big spaceship. This is not like, I mean, miles. <laughs> Well, the comet itself is actually, like, huge. It's, like, a lot bigger than we think. Like, uh, I've seen graphics that compare to, like, Mount Everest. Yeah. And it's it's goddamn enormous. Yeah. This is a huge comet. It's this would, like, wipe out life do we on have Earth. A ra- do we have us. a radius? Um, I think we do, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I found it. So, <laughs> it is two and a half miles by 2.7 miles, essentially. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty big. Pretty enormous. <laughs> also, it's shaped oddly, so those aren't like true. Right, right. Yeah, it's not sort of right. like yeah, the longest sure. bits of it. Okay. Um, which is a pretty good indication. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, throughout the whole mission, as we said, it did multiple gravity assists, and in the process, it circled the sun multiple times. So, like, it circled, it like went on this huge wandering path, just around the solar system, like over and over again. And you're right. like, "What's well, silly? Why don't you go straight there?" It's like, well. You can only hold so much fuel. Right. And the yeah. important thing about these gravity assists is that they don't require fuel, except to, like, line it up initially. Right. And then you just kind of, boop, 
we right. change direction. So yeah, because you're in space, so you don't slow down when you stop pushing. Right. right. Like it's not like a car when you take your foot off the gas and you start slowing down. This right. is like you take your foot off the gas and you keep going at exactly the same speed in exactly the same direction minus gravity. Right. Right. <laughs> and so we abused that minus gravity thing to like point us in the right direction and make us go fast. Yep. That's so cool. <laughs> so that's like so interesting that's super cool so in space like i didn't really think about this until just now but no like, one can hear you scream yeah well that too but i th- had thought about it before um <laughs> no but the thing i hadn't thought about is like so in space like all the fuel they have like so there's a ton of fuel to get them off earth right because like that's hard to do yep but then and then once you're like sort of quote unquote outside of earth's gravitational pull like everything else is like you need some fu- fuel to like direct yourself and then you need some fuel to like make sure you don't get sucked into other planets gravitational fields and, like, other than that, you just, like, sort of point, hit the right speed, and then just, like, go. Pretty much. That's so cool. <laughs> well, gravity is the reason that, like, we need massive, massive, several stories tall engines to get us off Earth. But we can have a tiny little right. lander with a tiny little thing get off the moon right. and come back. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It takes right. a lot to get us off Earth. Right. Because rockets, like, oh. rockets, once you get off, once you get, like, outside of, like, some significant portion of, like, the gravitational, you just literally let go of the engines. You're yeah. just like, well, I don't need these anymore. Mm-hmm. You just drop half the rocket. And in dumping them, it propels you forward. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, wait. So continue. So we're still talking about um, going back a few minutes. We're right. still we're still talking about here. Like so. Like what what did we do exactly and why? So uh, a funny thing just to mention about the uh, one of the gravisists when it came near Earth, uh, some astronomers misidentified it as an asteroid. Cause I heard about this. Yeah, they like forgot about it. Some like not everyone was. <laughs> consciously aware of it besides the people working on the mission because yeah. like it it's had been a few years right and then so like this thing comes flying by that's new it's like oh it must be some kind of asteroid no this thing being the spaceship that yeah. we sent out years earlier and the thing is it like it seems ridiculous because we shot this thing off earth circled around the sun away from us came back to earth <laughs> right for a gravity assist yeah. Did it again. <laughs> like, it just kept flying back to Earth. Like, whoa, why would you do that? But, yeah. like, for reasons we explained before, Crazy. that's, like, a very smart thing to do. Right. But it makes a mission take 10 years, so... Right. <laughs> <laughs> a very important consideration. But if we required... If we were to give the lander enough fuel to just laser straight there, it probably it wouldn't have... We would have run out of fuel. It, like, the way it works is for every extra amount of fuel you add... You have to add more fuel to right, push that to fuel hold up. that yeah. fuel. <laughs> oh my god! Like it's just like you hit like a point, and then it just increases. Yeah. Like, so it would be too large to get right, the thing right. to do what you want. It oh, that's to. absurd. That's so unfortunate. Wait. So it also, it seems like it was probably okay that it took a long time that we like did all this gravity assist to make it take ten years because it sounds like ten years ago we had no idea we were supposed to go. Um, like if it, you know what I mean? Like we're like millions of miles away. Like. We had 10 years to figure out where the comet was actually going to yeah. be. So, Although I guess you didn't have to figure out where it was going to be in 10 years, 10 right. years ago, if it was and only going to take a year I to get there. I think the Rosetta did the most of the narrowing it down. They sent it in kind of in the direction right. of where they wanted it to mm-hmm. go. And then as it like just took readings, it was like, right. oh, wait, so it's kind of closer to you here. Oh, it's closer bit. to here. Okay. But yeah, it was important to take that That's time crazy. to make sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then uh, amazingly, at one point during this, like between the final gravity assist and actually reaching... Uh, the flyby with the or the initial rendezvous mm-hmm. with the comet. Um, they just straight up put it into hibernation for three years. They're just like, all right, off. Three years, just floated in space. Whoa. Just wait, just with the sun pulling it back to the center of the solar system. <laughs> By floated, we mean 
went real, real, real fast in one direction. Yeah. But like, well, yeah, it, was, it was a multiple. It was curving. Sure. Yeah, but it, it three years just off. <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> so after, you know, 10 years of travel time and four billion miles cumulative traveled. Oh, my four God. Four billion miles traveled. Wow. Finally, we got close and we got to some uh, orbit around the comet to help stabilize us. A cool thing about the uh, the orbit is that because the gravity is like one one hundred thousandth of the gravity on yeah. Earth, you have to get really freaking close to this right. planet and be moving pretty slowly to get caught in its orbit. Uh-huh. So they had to fly in real slow and real close and shoot it, it shot itself in triangles around the comet, okay. getting closer and closer each time. Yeah. It basically had like an escape velocity trajectory. It would oh, shoot oh, itself oh, closer, oh, oh. but kind of go a little bit too fast. Shoot yeah. itself back, getting closer and closer until it got within like 16 miles of the surface. Oh, wow. And then it was in an orbit around it, despite its super low gravity. And so now it's actually straight wow. up orbiting so we, a comet. We be, I mean, like we stuck a satellite around a comet. Yes, sir. That's what we did. <laughs> That's so cool. And uh, <laughs> the Rosetta could actually like direct its, like we could, well, we direct it. We, we're directing right. it from Earth. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. not stupid. It knows to point its solar panels towards the sun Good. and things like that. And once it gets close enough, it can kind of track. How far away is it? How long does it take for us to send like a move your fluster, f- your thrusters in this direction? Like 50 minutes. Oh, my God. At, when it's at, it was at its furthest. That's uh, insane. But it's moving closer minutes. to the sun. That's actually now. a little bit less time than I thought it would yeah, be. Yeah, but it's not completely absurd. Right. But it's, Still, but it's so like you press an hour. You, like, talk about lag time. Yeah. Because, like, it's 50 minutes for it to, whatever whatever picture you're looking at is 50 minutes old. And then it's going to take another 50 minutes for you to be like, okay, now you need to turn to the right a couple degrees. Like, yep. that's crazy. We're stuck an hour and a half behind. Yeah. <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> that's amazing. It's super duper That's amazing tricky. that there's still... It still it still works. Yeah, like, they planned so well for this. Like that's so so crazy. I mean, this is what space agencies do. Like they're all about I mean, like yeah. planning because mathematically it just happens. You know, that's that's how like that's why astronomy and you know this kind of stuff works is because right. it's just math. Also, all you have to do is figure out how things are traveling. And also, like where they're gonna be. It's you know like it's like it's like the joke in physics class is always like yeah well if you did this in vacuum. Like, with no air resistance, and no, like, they're literally in vacuum. Frictionless like vacuum, yeah. this is, and this is what they're in. They're actually dealing, so, like, not not that the math is easy, because it isn't, but I'm sure it has, like, a, there's at least some notion of, like, there's a little bit more predictability, because, like, you don't have to worry about the wind picked up. Yeah, Although exactly. you do have to worry about, like, the solar wind yeah. picked up. Exactly. Solar wind is so yeah. bizarre. It's, Wait, we should, if okay. we can, we should explain that a little bit, because that sounds like it doesn't make any sense. All solar wind is is um, electron and protons that are being pushed out from the sun okay in like a just like a wave like a like wind and that's in, in a stream of plasma oh so it's, yeah <laughs> it's like it's pretty ridiculous that's probably like the coolest term we've said so far it's a, it's a stream of oh, plasma stream of plasma yeah <laughs> and it actually it actually like pushes things solar wind is pushing things yeah so right, zach, right right zach made an analogy earlier it's like trying to knock over a truck with pebbles Right, if you throw enough... Except it works. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, if you throw enough pebbles, like, this is, like, a lot of pebbles. At one time, yeah. Yeah. So you can actually have some impact on movement of things. And plus, it's, like, from the sun, like, in space, there's no atmosphere to protect you from radiation. And while that's not a huge deal, because we don't have straight-up human people, like biological organisms right, there right, right. there are instruments that are sensitive mm-hmm. to high energy electrons like right. all the electronics on right, board right, right. like that could be it's a basi- problem like the sun's basically an emp 
to yeah, some extent. In a way, yeah. <laughs> there has to be a lot of shielding for the yeah. electronics, otherwise Crazy. you run into huge problems like that. Oh, that's super cool. And uh, speaking of problems... Oh, boy. Yeah, wait, <laughs> this we should definitely talk about that. was not without its problems. <laughs> so uh, we finally have this... Uh, we have Rosetta in orbit around this comet. It's been 10 years, and, you know, everyone's like, okay, time for celebration, right? No, absolutely not. Now we have to launch this little tiny lander from Rosetta, a little lander named Philae, and get it onto the surface of the comet. And, yeah, I'll, again, Zach knows about this. This is insane. So uh, they're like, all right, let's test the thrusters. Make sure we can get this thing to slow down before it's a surface. Oh, they don't work. <laughs> can we fix that? No, it's in space, like <laughs> really far away. Ah, well, launch it anyway. Oh, man. And so, so they just they basically threw it at the planet. Yeah. No, like yes. there's no mattress well, at the bottom to catch it. OK, although that is the case. Yeah. Um, it was moving at like literally walking pace, like a <laughs> oh, mile wow. per hour or two. They just kind of dropped it, like, boop. But it's in space, so you can just do that, and yeah. it'll just keep going. It was just, it had just <laughs> enough gravity. Great. They just give it a little push, and it's uh-huh. like, Wee. Okay, that's really cool. Right? Right. And so, but it still like, gets faster as it gets closer, yeah, right? Yeah, but not, but not that much. Right. Okay, cool. So, it actually, it impacted the planet at about two and a half miles per hour. Oh. And that planet, whoa, comet, not a planet, not a planet. Not a planet. That's, <laughs> a, that's See, I think you can only land on planets. That's how, because like, it's but, li- are, the first We time? should point out, like... This is such. A, this is like us geeking out. This is the <laughs> coolest thing. We, this has never happened, ever. Like this is the first time in the history of space and humans that we've ever been able to land a little tiny invention that we made on this little tiny piece of rock that's just. I mean, flying it's around just like essentially randomly. The, it's like crazy. The other day, I like I was talking to Zach about this, and I said something like, I said like, you know, oh, like the. He said, like, the comet landing. I was like, the one from, like, a few weeks ago. He goes, there's no need to specify which one. It's the only it is, one. It is literally the comet landing. <laughs> so cool. Okay. All right. Let's keep talking about it. I just so, had to, like, sidetrack a little bit. So they, they shoot this thing towards the planet, right? And they're like, uh, the comet. Jesus Christ. <laughs> towards the comet. And uh, so they're like, all right, it's okay. So we don't want it to bounce. So we, we put harpoons on it to... To harpoon the comet and like hold on because the comet is like a whale, I guess. <laughs> but so they planned it. Darshi blows. That's not like, oh, we messed up. Like, oh, let's add some harpoons. It's like they were like, oh, well, it, the thrusters might get messed up 10 years from now. So it wasn't we'll even add that. Some harpoons. The gravity is so low on the comet. They're like, oh, it would just need, bounce off and run away. We need something oh to lock it down. Crazy. So they have these harpoons. Okay. And I guess they were like, well, we can't just shoot sticky tape at it. Like we gotta come up with something better. Well, I Someone wouldn't was, honestly I can't just put like scotch tape. At I the like honestly of the wouldn't be all that surprised though if their solution involved like double sided sticky tape. Yeah, <laughs> but then again, if that happened, NASA would invent the craziest double sided sticky tape ever, <laughs> so and it would true. just be the best thing ever. Because <laughs> and then we'd all get to use it because that's yeah. how that works. And then the things would never fall off. It'd be great. <laughs> so uh, they're like, all right, the harpoons will make sure this thing lands. Well, uh, no. So the harpoons did never fire, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, for whatever reason, they included. Well, they needed a propulsion mechanism for the harp to like make them launch out with yeah, sufficient yeah, force yeah. to like bust into this dusty, icy plant uh, right. comet. I keep doing, Stop that. doing that. Comet, 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 Zach just um. does that all the time for the record, like all the time. <laughs> I'll like come home and I'll just hear him alone in a room going. He just does that all the time. Specifically, the chameleon thing. Specifically, the chameleon thing. 
But uh, they used uh, nitrocellulose as the propulsion mechanism, which combusts with oxygen, and which they had stored in there. There's no oxygen in space, right. uh, at least not in sufficient quantities to do anything with. Maybe like there's an atom floating around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't know why they use nitrocellulose, because apparently it is unreliable in a vacuum, and space is a vacuum. So I don't. I guess I guess it was supposed to be in like some sort of pressurized container that okay. like would negate those effects okay. but i like i feel like when they tested it in a vacuum they tested it under the controlled closed conditions with the vacuum outside mm-hmm. like you had the nitrocellulose mm-hmm. and oxygen with things outside the vacuum outside and it was unreliable then so i don't know why they did that i'm assuming that um it's probably because like what else are they going to use like I, I don't know if there's any other material out there that is any more effective in a vacuum to launch harpoons at a rock <laughs> <laughs> so now that we have established that uh, the thrusters to slow it down didn't work and the harpoons to hold it down didn't work, um, we still landed it. And so people were okay. like, yeah, we landed it. We did it. Wait, this data looks a little funny. What's going on here? Okay. So it didn't just land. Yeah. It freaking bounced twice. <laughs> <laughs> like a little bouncy ball. Yeah. And Except so that you, it like did you get a height on that? Uh I forget. It's like the largest jump that any man made thing has ever done. <laughs> um the first bounce it hit the ground and then bounced back up and it took two hours to land again. Oh the my first God. bounce took two hours. The second bounce took seven minutes. <laughs> That's absurd. That's funny though. But two hours, but like it was never moving very fast. Right. So when it hit the surface, it was about two and a half miles per hour. When it left the surface, it was like a little under one mile per hour. And then when it hit again, it impacted about one mile per hour. Okay. And then yeah, right. bounced off at like a quarter of a mile per hour. Like okay. it was moving in super slow motion. <laughs> but it like it would have been so weird to watch it would have been just absolutely comical just to like, see this like giant like, oh, essential oh, robot gonna, just like oh, oh there it goes oh, and it's coming back it's down again, again. <laughs> another comical thing is that uh at one point it it essentially tripped like <laughs> it was falling back down right and one of its legs caught something and it like tumbled that's so and great. it ended up just leaning against a rock with its its three legs down but in yeah. kind of a weird position okay and so it's got these ice screws on the bottom of its padded its leg pads yeah yeah yeah. so it did screw into the comet however those were not designed to just hold it down on their own so we don't know how well they'll stay additionally since it it managed to land so softly despite like bouncing they weren't sure initially of how soft it was in the area okay so they were like these ice screws might not even hold it down if we just are in like a sand like substance right right now like that's completely unhelpful but so hold it down like could it just fall off on its own if if it, I, I don't know, if it, like, managed to rotate in a funny way, yeah. and it just, it just like, like, lost its grip. If it just, yeah, moved just, like, a little bit. like, bounced. Yeah, if I guess if broke. it, at somehow, if it somehow applied force greater than the gravitational pull, which is, like, real tiny at this point. Like, if it, like, accidentally walked into a rock real hard, <laughs> and, like, got... It could dislodge itself on the surface of the comet. crazy. Yeah, so, Philey Talk is, like, the clumsiest robot in, <laughs> in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> it both bounced and then tripped. And it managed to like land itself underneath a cliff of some kind so that it can only get solar energy like 1.5 hours every <laughs> oh, comet day, which the comet day is about 12 hours long, Okay, which is, you know, spinning yeah, yeah, yeah. is the day. Right. So, uh, you know, three hours in our time <laughs> of, uh, of solar energy, which is not enough to charge its batteries and keep it powered. 
um, okay. which sucks. Yeah. <laughs> However, they planned for this, or and at course. least they planned for having a very short mission, and they gave it charged batteries, which gave it about a 60-hour life. And uh, they're hoping the mission could be extended by maybe up to like three months uh, with the solar power, but uh, that didn't happen, unfortunately. Okay. Um, so uh, it still managed to do some stuff. For So first it just did a bunch of general, like 80% of its initial mission it was supposed to do, just like doing readings and yeah. stuff. And then it actually did, like without moving any instruments, and then it did some stuff where it actually like, Drill, tried to drill into the surface and get samples, and it, it freaking hammered a probe into the surface of the comet. It just like put it down, was like smash, 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 <laughs> trying to bust it like deep inside to like, get yeah. some readings from that. They, it, but it turns out the surface is actually hard ice, so the ice crews might actually be pretty effective in holding oh, it in, perfect, because they couldn't get the probe down. Wait, the very surface, far. so even is that the surface of the rocky part, or it's on the ice part right now? It's on. Well, I don't know exactly what's under its feet, but at least the part where the probe got smushed down is icy. It was the and ice. It's as hard as like water ice on okay Earth. okay yeah. cool it's the same sort of thing got it that's exciting um do we, do we want to take a music break yeah all right all right we're gonna take a music break um we're gonna come back and talk more about this cool comet stuff please continue listening i have no idea what's gonna play right now um yeah but uh oh man there we go all right bye guys we have a new record called On Oni Pond, and this is our single. It's called Head On. Although, we should have called it Hold On to Your Heart.
Stack. In the stacks. Let's make it stack. Cornellradio.com. Hi, this is Honus from Man Man. This is the song Loop My Body from Anoni Pond, our record that you don't own. And sorry to disappoint, but we're not going to play that song by Man Man. Yeah, um, technical difficulties just always <laughs> seem to pop up here when we do this. It's all right. So, um, yeah, so we're back. Um, just to reiterate, we're talking about the one and only comet landing in the history of mankind. Oh, it's yeah. Really cool. <laughs> um, we're all really excited about it here on Scientifically Speaking. And uh, we, we mentioned earlier that uh the comet the the comet the the probe that we sent to the comet bounced yep for a long time um and uh zach's got some more information on that it's pretty awesome so I'm gonna let so him. Uh, not only did it jump for a really long time it jumped very very high it ended up a kilometer in the air not in the air a kilometer above the comet from when it initially hit, and it traveled a kilometer away from where it initially impacted yeah, the comet. And if it had bounced off at like, you know, a little bit more than twice the speed it bounced off with, it would yeah. have just left the orbit of the comet. Wow. And if it had bounced like two kilometers further over, it would have probably missed the top part of the comet and smashed down into the other bottom head of the comet and might have been like pulverized. Wow. <laughs> so that's like... Lucky little clumsy yeah. robot. Yeah. And I also missed something that's freaking insane from before <laughs> when we were talking about its journey. Uh, the Mars gravity assist yeah. was ridiculous. Why? So <laughs> it was called the billion euro gamble when it happened. Because <laughs> uh, oh, that's no. about the price of the Rosetta mission is like one to one billion euros. Wow. And so what happened was they, uh, when they wanted to correct for where the they discovered that the comet was actually going to be to within mm. a few miles instead mm-hmm. of like a larger amount. They had to do a gravity assist to come within 160 miles of the Martian surface, which is, like, maybe not a big deal. But uh, they were in the planet's shadow relative to the sun, so they had no extra solar power. Oh. So in order to, like, conserve enough power for it to, like, be on the right path and maintain its correct course, they shut down communication with it. Oh, man. (laughs) And it was running on batteries not designed to support it without solar energy. For wow. this task, so they're just like going in blind. Yeah, they're like, okay, we need to like wrap around Mars like this, and we're doing things that we didn't plan for. So, like, no matter how much they've planned for all this stuff and done so, things still went wrong, and they right. still managed to like compensate for them. That's outstanding. With ingenuity and things, and this is like <laughs> this is like real time science. Yeah, this is like the scariest, most awful. Like people like simulate shit like this and just take like way longer than real time to do it they're like oh like let me pause this and think about what this is like oh no if we stop now we're gonna just crash into a mountain if i don't calculate this right now this 10 year mission is over yeah if i don't calculate this one bounce at this exactly right now oh my god so intense that's crazy all right are we gonna talk now we're gonna talk now go ahead yeah uh so next we want to talk about a little bit about um what exactly Philey is doing on uh, 67P Churyumov Jurasimenko now that it's there. So, uh, Filey has a bunch of different instruments on it, and um, these instruments are all used for sort of different things. So, there's um, one instrument, um, the, the concert, which um, helps study comet interior, for example. But uh, So, I just wanted to give a little breakdown of um, what exactly Filey is trying to find on this comet. So, one of the biggest things we have is um, we have 
we're taking images from the surface of the comet to sort of see what it's actually like on a comet in space. And so we're getting some of the first images from a comet surface ever, which is insane. What's what's what are these images like? This is like 10-year-old webcam technology. Like what do we got going here? It's it's super bizarre. It's a lot of gray. It's yeah. a lot of lot of uh gray images that um it's it's a super weird thing to look at because you ca- you can't really uh see it in the same way that uh like a color camera would be it's not, it's not bad though i'm looking at them right uh, now. yeah i'm pretty sure it has pretty good resolution I like mean, they, they use the so. top-notch cameras they right, had right. 10 years ago which yeah. weren't terrible right sure so cool that's so good. um so that's that's a big one uh the next thing they're gonna do is uh they have this one instrument called let me see if i can find it again uh it is called uh romap and what this thing does is it studies the magnetic field and the plasma environment of the comet. So what it's doing is it's studying um, the magnetic interactions of the comet. Uh, also, it studies the interactions of the comet with solar wind, which we talked about earlier. So we've got sort of an analysis of how this comet is interacting with its environment. We also have these uh, these instruments that dig into the surface and take samples. And there's a couple things. Of one, one instrument will sort of analyze the elemental composition of the, of the comet to see like sort of that that uh that uh, uh um isotope ratio that we looked at talked about a while ago that told us the difference between right, comet right, right. material and earth material um there's other things that look for um organic compounds like we talked about earlier how um potentially organic material could have come to earth from comets sure so it's we've got all these instruments that are um taking samples and doing x-rays and measuring isotope ratios so we're learning a lot from this comet in a lot of different ways yeah you know we're not yeah we're just like we went like thing. yeah we went like full breadth like figure exactly. everything out that we could potentially figure out so they do they just like feel like when they were making this robot they're like all right let's just every instrument that could read anything let's yep. find a way to stick it on here right because pretty like, much there's like there's yeah, 10 different instruments so all a little bit different and yeah uh, i think one of my favorites is sd2 which drills into the comet to yeah. collect samples. And it can drill sure. down 23 centimeters okay. into, the comet, nice. into the comet's surface. That's sweet. So it's important to note that uh, Philly... There you go. There you yeah. go. Good job. He's uh, not the only one with instruments. Uh, Rosetta's got them too. Okay. For many of the same purposes. Uh, just it doesn't have physical samples it can grab. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it can take a lot of images. It can use a lot of different uh, spectroscopy and... Like, you can shoot, like, radio waves and different electromagnetic waves at the comet and see how cool. far it penetrates and, like, right. how like what it looks like when it returns. Yeah. Like a radar gun. Exactly. Cool. Uh, but, like, from various frequencies like, all throughout. Yeah. yeah. Like so a super like, badass radar exactly. gun. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, like, that is a, a huge component of the mission is that Rosetta is going to be orbiting this comet for another year. Okay. So. What's what's uh, what's the time span on Philae? What's the deal with right. that? Right. So, uh, right now... Uh, it is offline. They okay. it hibernated because okay. it doesn't have any energy. Oh. Uh, because it's out it's of the stuck under, so, yeah. it's because it's under that cliff still? Yeah. And oh, so okay, okay. that those three hours that it's given each like Earth day yeah. it, are not enough to keep it powered. So it, it can't do anything. But it can still while it's hibernating, it's still charging. Uh well, I mean it'll get some energy and then lose it and get but I guess it can yeah, it can temporarily charge its batteries, but it's really just trying to not use any energy. 
Right. So I don't I don't actually know exactly what. Like, it's are they hoping for like a long term? Right. Like if we leave it for so, there right, for a right. few months, eventually it'll. So be before up it went offline, yeah, they did something really awesome. Okay. So you know it's all derpy and kind of stuck against the wall. Yeah. And uh, so consider that this thing, this lander, weighs about as much as me. So it's okay. it's like oh, two hundred twenty wow. pounds, yeah. right? But oh, it's oh. on this thing, which this comet, which has one one hundred thousandth of. So right. it's like you know a fraction of a pound yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it was on earth it would weigh like very 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 little yeah it'd be like a big balloon well it, i mean it weighs no i mean it weighs as, yeah like on earth it weighs as much as i do no on, no, no i understand comet, i'm saying yeah. like the analogy the analogy to like if we were watching we'd uh, be watching like the equivalent of like a big robot shaped balloon that's how oh, it's acting on yeah this. yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> right yeah so <laughs> so what they wanted to do before it went offline is to try and move it to angle it to get more sunlight. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Solar panels. And so they use these instruments that are on it, which can move. Right, right. And like they, the drill. Right, like yeah, obviously and they the like drill moves. pushed it against the rock and <laughs> raised it up four centimeters, managed to tilt it about 35 degrees to maximize its the amount of sunlight uh-huh. it gets. And uh, it didn't work. I mean, it worked. It, they did it. They moved it yeah. successfully, exactly what they wanted to do. Uh, not enough sunlight to keep it online. Okay. However, it is the comet is currently getting closer and closer to the sun. Mm. Uh as we speak yeah um and we'll continue to approach it for a while another year or two and um that may allow it to get enough sunlight to come back online and continue its mission cool i feel like like if i was man if i was these these guys like try that's gotta be the most like i when i like if i'm working on a project right and i'm like 75 percent of the way done and i have to go to sleep I'm like thinking about it all night, right? These guys had to like, this is 10 years of their lives. They're just like, all right, well, let's turn it off for a year and see if we can turn it back on. How are they? I I wouldn't be able to sleep. I literally like, it would be freaking me out. And these guys are geniuses too. Like, think about it. They got, they got this probe stuck under a cliff where it couldn't get enough uh, light for solar panels. So they were like, well, how do we stand it back up? Oh, we have a drill on board. Let's just ram the drill against the wall to push the whole thing back up in it's an upright crazy. position. Crazy. Yeah, they they coordinated the movements of a number of the different arms of the thing <laughs> just to like squish it into the right, right spot. Yeah. So like they stuck incredible. all these instruments on. There's so many instruments mm-hmm. on it. It's like it's like it's got like fingers basically coming out of everything. Yeah. It's just like constantly like they all do things but you could also just use them to push you. Yeah, he's like a Swiss army knife. Finally is like a Swiss army <laughs> like knife. Like the ultimate badass 200 pound Swiss army knife. So the thing is, though, uh, there's a limited window before uh, between when it comes potentially comes back online from getting close to the sun, and when it gets too close to the sun, that it starts to overheat and com- mm. becomes completely unusable. Oh, so that stinks. Yeah, and okay. uh, Rosetta, the actual the orbiting spacecraft, has a lifespan of another year or so, and then it's gonna be they're gonna see if they have enough fuel, and they might use it for another something if there's something in the area right because they're like, always trying to use these things at the end of their yeah, life once oh, they finish yeah, yeah, their yeah. mission they're like well where, where else can we send it there's a sure. ton of like different spacecraft out there that are, are not on their original missions right now right, just yeah. doing random <laughs> stuff awesome. which is awesome they can just yeah. repurpose this stuff but um like right now we've got a year's worth of like close-up imaging of this comet and like seeing night and day repeatedly Mm-hmm. It's orbiting. It's getting all different views of all different right, parts right, of the comet. Right, yeah. And it still like managed to relay the data we got from Filey back to right, us. Right, right, right. So we have a ton of data to go yeah, through. That's so awesome. they can stay up 
and work on that. <laughs> I guess. Oh, I see. I see. They still have things to do. They don't need to go to sleep. They can just continue <laughs> working the whole time. No, I mean, seriously, I wouldn't sleep. Yeah. I would just it would be, be doing really hard. Like, I, I would wouldn't be doing be things to. all this the would be time. Too cool. Yeah. The other thing to consider is that there are a ton of people involved in this right. thing. Like, over the course of the entire mission, I think it said like some 2,000 different people wow. contributed to it in some manner. That's so, That's so cool that we're so into space. <laughs> like, we're so into space. <laughs> Are we though? Cause okay, we being the EU. <laughs> okay, I'm just and like uh, I'm like, just saying well, that like yeah. you know. Uh, so this is this is kind of the end of. I think that we've covered pretty much. Unless you had anything else I you wanted to talk about the funding. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Sure, go for it. So um, I will back to the all those people right. So to coordinate all those people, and make sure they all knew what they were doing throughout the mission, because like. You're not going to have the same group of people doing the same exact thing for a decade necessarily. Right. Like it's hard to keep sure. everyone hanging on. So they compiled the database of all the important information related to it. Yeah. And people could access this database. And every like six to like 12 months, they would make sure people were trained and knew exactly what they were doing. And before every important maneuver, they made sure people were trained and knew exactly what they were doing so that they didn't screw this up. Yeah, sure. So like they managed to coordinate like an enormous number of people over the course of a decade right. to pull this off. It's crazy. But um, so originally, uh, the reason this mission was sort of designed was because back in 1986, when Halley's Comet flew by. Uh, Isn't it Halley's Comet? No, oh, no, it is damn. Halley's Comet. This really? is the third person I've had to correct today. It's Halley's Comet named after the astronomer Edmund Halley. I've literally always heard people It's say been it. called Halley's Comet, but is now the shift is to Halley because like, that's like the correct Actually, pronunciation. His name. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah. Good to know. Okay. So right. um, Halley's Comet. A bunch of different space probes were sent by different uh, space agencies. Oh, space agency is such a cool, like, space agency. Uh, <laughs> right? Uh, I'm a space agent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. God. That's the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> so they managed to get a bunch of information uh, from the comet, including, like, some of those, like, uh, isotope ratios that we were talking about before. Right. But they wanted more. They want to like know more about these things. They want to look at a different comet and like have more in-depth information about it. So, NASA, which stands for National Aeronautics and Space Administration, because I can I can never remember exactly okay. what that stands for. Yeah, sure. Uh, and the European Space Agency, so that's NASA and the ESA, um, decided to team up and share a rocket and send out uh, two things. One, they were going to send out something to fly alongside the comet uh, for three years, much like okay. Rosetta's doing. Yeah. Um, and then that was NASA's job. ESA was going to get a sample of the comet and bring it back to Earth. Wow. Right. So uh, as they were planning this, uh, NASA ended up going over budget and had to scrap the project due to congressional budget cuts that back in 92. Right. Um, so thanks, George H.W. <laughs> Bush. <laughs> and uh, so they had to scrap that specific mission and use their extra little bit of funding because they didn't actually like go over budget. They realized that the mission... Right would put them over budget. Right. So they scrapped it, took the extra money they had and put it into the uh, Hugin Cassini something or other thing that did okay. some other cool stuff in space. Um, and uh, Everything that's done so, in space is cool. <laughs> so after that, that means the ESA is totally responsible for launching this rocket and getting okay. a sample and mm. bringing it back. Oh, geez. And that's too much of a financial yeah. burden for them. So they had to scrap it as okay. well. But they realized like, wait, wait, wait. If we don't come back with the sample we can still pull this off okay so they just let it you know now they set up rosetta where it 
you know, right, does right, the thing right. it was that NASA was originally oh, going to do, oh. and also sent down a lander. So they sort of got a sample, okay. right? Right. They got a sample. They just didn't they get just, it back to, for us to analyze they just directly. Had to let the robot know right. how to analyze exactly. it. Exactly. Cool. And so, meanwhile, NASA didn't just completely give up. They right. pulled off some other missions. Uh, so, they had a flyby where they connect uh, collected uh, the dust from around the comet using aerogel, which is this like real porous, super duper light substance. Yeah. And just collected a ton of the dust from around it. Okay. So they could, and brought it back to Earth and analyzed oh, it. Nice. Right. And uh then Deep Impact is the one I talked about before where they launched that impactor into the comet. <laughs> right, right, right. So that like they managed to pull off some sweet stuff after the budget cut. Camera bullets. <laughs> <laughs> so uh one thing I wanted to mention um is uh why why are they named Rosetta and Filey? So the reason that these names they have these names is because um, the the spacecraft itself is named after the Rosetta Stone, and uh, Philae is named after an obelisk in ancient Egypt. And what it was, what these two things were used for is to translate hieroglyphics into, um, well, basically translate hieroglyphics and have us understand what the Egyptians, right. what the hell the Egyptians were talking about yeah, sure. when you know their language is like bird guy going like this, uh, <laughs> spider, scorpion, Anubis head guy. Yeah. That's their whole language. Right. So they named <laughs> these things because, you know, the metaphor is that it represents the formation and the development of the solar system as hieroglyphs and comets as the ways through which we can learn about the solar system. So they're seeing this this comet is our Rosetta Stone. That's what that's their deal. Yeah. It's a stone. At least they got that. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. So I think that, I don't know about you, but I think that pretty much covers most of what we wanted to cover with uh the comet landing itself. So I think what we want to do we're now gonna is just going to talk about space. Go into a little bit more. Yeah, we have some time, space and general. we really like space. So I think we're just going to talk thing about. I want to pick up on is that you? Oh, sorry. Want to say one more thing? So um, <laughs> when Fili, 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 damn it, Zach, Fili. It's like Tylee, but Fili. Tylee. Okay, Julie, do the thing. So it uh. It is like, you know, on this rock and is kind of tiny. And so it can't really send signals back to us. And so uh, Rosetta acts or was acting as the radio relay to send things back mm-hmm. to us. And so they only cross paths like once every day. Right. Comet day, 12 yeah, hours. Right. Um, so they couldn't just constantly be beaming information. It was like there'd be like a burst mm. once a day. From from right. from Filey. Yeah. And send it back. So it's just kind of an interesting thing. Is like the lander wasn't like, hey, Earth, I'm here. It's like, hey, Rosetta. And Rosetta's like, hey, Earth, he's just trying to say, pay attention. <laughs> pay attention. <laughs> hey, hey, you. Hey, hey, hey. Cool. So one right. thing I wanted to pick up on earlier is that um, you said, oh, we're so into space. And like, we are. But right. the problem is that um, the country at large... Not so much. Sure. Like, uh, we, we looked up some information, and it uh, turns out NASA's budget is about 0.5% of the United States' total budget. Right. Which I think is total bullshit. <laughs> I think, like, do we, have, do, we definitely do we, need to give NASA more money. Do we happen to have any numbers on, like, I can look them up if we don't, but, like, any numbers on, like, what it's like for general scientific funding or, like, other scientific funding? Like, In other countries? No, 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 for, for us, like... For us. What our scientific funding looks like, other than NASA, because like that's a really uh, small NASA percent. represents about thirty-five percent of total spending on academic scientific research. Okay, that's wow. 
So that thirty five percent of the total money spent on science research in the U.S. is so, spent on NASA. So, the, so there's a few things to glean from that. Okay, so like that's like a pretty decent chunk considering all the different kinds of sciences. However, space exploration is by far the most expensive, right? Like it's it's true because we need um, you know millions of dollars worth of instruments and rockets. Yeah, and, I mean and things and to send fuel. places and and freaking fuel. And you man. need like every experiment. You, I mean, this experiment needed to pay. 2,000 people for 10 for years. 10 years. Like, this is not, you know, so, like, it's not like, you know, you can get, like, a bunch of grad students and a professor in a lab and figure something out real quick. Um, so, that's so that that's one thing that makes the 35% not that big. However, I, I mean, like, I understand not wanting to make more than our, more of our academic budget, like, you know, dedicated toward NASA at the risk of, like, other things getting underfunded. But, like, it sounds more like the problem is, like, why is so little of our country's budget in general going to, like, academic yeah, funding? It's, it's not that, like, oh, well, we need to cut this science so we can have more NASA. No, it's like, <laughs> um, let's cut, let's not give the Army any more Hummers. <laughs> let's not give specific. We're <laughs> 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 revealing our political views a little bit too much. Let's, I don't care. We need to, we need to. There's Fuck the military. Potentially, give it potentially, all to NASA. <laughs> we need to, like, potentially... Um, you know, yeah. reroute some money from other places yeah. to academic. So what? What's the? Is I mean, are there? Um, is there any sort of? Are there any numbers on like other countries and like what they spend on like academic funding in general, and then like specifically space funding? Do we have any? I mean, it seems like the European Union, European Union, has been doing a better job than us since they literally coordinated this entire ten-year thing. Uh, okay, that's true. So um, NASA did help, but they like, their budget is about um. Five billion, five and a half billion dollars compared to NASA's eighteen point four billion dollars. Okay. So it's wow. it's quite a bit smaller, but it's That's also amazing. shared between several countries. So wait, so how does the European how does Space work? Agency is uh, multiple European countries all working together? But how does that help? That seems like That's that worse. Yeah. Yeah. No, we. I mean, we can't exactly pull this off right now because we have to pull up a bunch of GDPs. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I mean, that. sure. But uh, so but I mean, the, it looks like the ESA has a smaller overall budget than NASA. Sure. Okay, interesting. That's okay. They're just better than us. No. Um, yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder how much of that then has to do with the fact that they could get two thousand people to work on this one project. You know, what I mean, like in terms of like literal, like actual interest, like personal interest. Right. Well, interest they had they projects. had multiple countries to draw from. They That's probably true. had a bigger population base there um, between so? all the countries yeah, that are maybe. involved anyway. Okay. Um, and okay. Maybe a lack of anti-intellectualism in. Yeah. Other countries. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, just to talk about some other spacey stuff in general, uh, if you haven't seen Interstellar yet... Oh my god, please. Go see Interstellar. It's so good. What are you theaters. doing? Stop listening to yeah, this. No. Christ. <laughs> that movie is so good. No, don't do that. Go watch Interstellar after this. <laughs> Fine. So, Interstellar is great because it, like, is rooted in some pretty hard science. Like, they yeah. got a physicist, Kip Thorne, to actually consult... That guy's, like, the shit. Yeah. Like, the things that he consulted on, he's, like the guy for wormhole theories yep. like that is he's literally is like the guy <laughs> for the wormhole theories. he straight up like put together the equations for like visualizing a three-dimensional wormhole right and like black holes and things for the people who did the graphics for the movie to, yeah, t- yeah, yeah. to like take and crazy implement. cool and he also wrote a book called the science of interstellar which i am asking for for the holidays so That's i can read all idea. about it hint hint wink wink hey mom remember how i couldn't come up with anything for a hanukkah present <laughs> I know you're listening. <laughs> so there you go. But um, 
the reason I liked Interstellar so much for more than like a ton of reasons that it was great is that yeah. like I'm a sci-fi fanboy. I freaking love like Isaac Asimov and the Foundation series and like I Robot, all that stuff. Yeah. So cool. Like humanity taking over space. But like uh, it's interesting because some of these books explore the theme of how important space exploration is to humans as a species. Right. So like, you know, we've been explorers as humans forever. We've always like tried to bust into new places and check things out and we usually then took over in kind of a terrible way, but I mean, we're getting better. Yeah. Maybe, hopefully. Also, maybe we, there's nothing in space to, for us to like kill. <laughs> you say that now, but then, you know, solar system imperialism. Yeah. Well, so that's actually kind of interesting. So in the foundation series for yeah. Isaac Asimov, there's this galactic empire right. of all humans. Right. But, uh, that's like one of his timelines that he set up. Okay. There's another one that he explores in another book called The End of Eternity. And spoilers if you want to read this book and don't want to hear this, but I mean, you'll probably forget it anyway. Uh, initially, there's this, essentially, there's this group of people that exists. They managed to figure out how to stay outside of time and kind of look back mm. in and correct human events to keep them on Earth and keep them safe. And they basically like stopped space exploration because like no no that's dangerous and scary and so oh so these this like outside of time people were like let's not do space exploration yep. okay. and what happened was is that like things went bad on on the on, like on earth right like whenever there was space exploration started the economy was booming and everyone was happy and whenever they like shut it down everything kind of went to crap oh. and additionally there were these later so they could look in through all these centuries essentially was happening right mm -hmm. and the initial ones humans are prospering uh relatively right then there's some they can't look through and then there's some where Earth is barren. Okay. And they're like, what happened? We can't see in here. We just see humans are gone. So what they find out happened in that middle area is that humans who were, like, held onto Earth, uh, other aliens managed to, like, colonize the galaxy, surrounded humans, and we were trapped. We had nowhere yeah. to go, nothing to explore. Essentially, everything was, like, controlled by, other, like, what was the point right. anymore? And so we were just, we went extinct. <laughs> and this is a super important idea, especially with... um all the terrible thoughts about like climate change and stuff like what happens when we irreparably ruin our planet which is where like, do we go that's like i was i don't know i was talking to someone it's possible that it was you where it was just like the you know, some some you know some climate change expert was like yeah like the question is not like when are we gonna fuck up our planet beyond repair it's like what do we do now that we've done that? Yeah, it's it's like it's like too late. We're right. gonna we'll do a whole episode on climate change. Yeah, don't yeah, you worry. We'll talk about that but, later. But the whole point is that like, but yeah. what Zach's talking about is super interesting because it's this idea of like, okay, there's one reason to go out and explore the universe, which is well, why the hell not? We might as well. It'll help us. It'll be cool. It'll be knowledge. We'll learn new things, and that'll potentially give us new technology and stuff, and we can learn more. And on the other side of things, there's this idea that well what if we screw up right. and we don't have space technology and we can't go anywhere else? Right. Then we're screwed. Like, think about how enormous the universe is. And this is discounting a multiverse if that, like, Jesus Christ, that's <laughs> there is insane. But, like, how big the universe is and how, like, how big we think the solar system is when it is nothing. Right, right. <laughs> like, there's so much for us to go and look at. We are a tiny, insignificant portion of the armpit of a spiral galaxy in a bullshit sector. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, your sector's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> so, yeah, so we, we got super into this whole idea of, like, space travel and stuff. Um, uh, let's see, one, one thing I did want to bring up is, uh, this is going back to... Uh, speaking of aliens, 
<laughs> so I found an article <laughs> oh boy. that um, the title of this article, this is going back to the comment thing. The title of this article is UFO enthusiast allegedly finds alien building on Rosetta Comet 67P. Dun, dun, dun. An alien building was allegedly seen on Rosetta Comet 67P by YouTube user Joe White because YouTube users are apparently a great source of, you know, verified legitimate this information. This is like this is an actual article. This, this is an actual this, article. This article's not making fun of the YouTube International user. Business Times. They're not com. they're not but they're not it's making fun of the, the they're not making fun of the YouTube user. They're like citing him. They're like citing oh, him. Oh good. That's White exciting. White said that he I estimated wait. he found a building and uh it had an apex roof. It was a large structure. It had a chimney and windows. There was a raw image as well as negative versions. So I looked at the video and the images <laughs> that he was talking about. Yeah. You know what I saw? What did you say? Fucking rocks. <laughs> I saw a rock yeah. that kind of looks like a house. Yeah. So um, and this guy's just... a fucking moron. <laughs> he's he's so certain of it that he goes, okay, it's about 100 meters in length, but it could be bigger than that. Blah, 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 blah. He's talking about all this. Okay, so yeah. I rotated it. I found it. I found this all cool stuff. He said, there's people who are trying to look at structures in the comment, publish them to provide information to the public about it. And then he said... um. He found the building, and he showed it to his wife, who said that it looked like a monastery, and since then, he's been referring to the building as a monastery. He calls the building White's Monastery, after himself, because <laughs> you can't just name a pile of rocks on a comet after yourself because you think it looks like a building. Also, <laughs> like, be convinced that it's a building. Yeah, I what? I saw the video, and it's it's a pile of rocks. Right. It's literally like I a mean, rock yeah. structure. I mean, I'm also, thinking why the have scientists, an angled roof? Right? <laughs> the whole point of angled roofs is to get rid of rain and snow. This is a comet where we don't have rain or snow. Why would we? Mm, why would we put a roof on it? Well, who's there? Who is living in this building? Also, what is the point just, of it? What could they be if they push too hard on the ground? They would go away forever and die. Like, it has no atmosphere. Maybe they didn't weigh anything and then, like, they move can't the rocks not weigh with... anything because then they would never be able to stay on the they planet. They weighed in the so first much. Place. They weighed so much. I went about that in the wrong direction. It, it's crazy because he claims that it's some alien building that just happens to look exactly like an Earth building. Right, yeah, right, right. So even if it is a building, right. even if it is a building, even though, even if we, you know, totally pretend this guy's not a fucking moron and pretend that this is actually a building. Why would aliens build buildings <laughs> that look the same as the ones when on When they Earth? clearly can't be anything like us if they're living on this It doesn't comet. make any sense. This entire thing is... This is hilarious. It's, it's so I'm really happy that, that this someone is Someone actually, you know, I, I found the video and I can post it on, on our... <laughs> Please, yeah, yeah. We'll, site, just, but it's, we'll just... Our, our blog will just be like an agglomerate of like all the crazy shit that you need to all see the about this stuff. Wait, so yeah. like... We're going to try and go to Mars with humans eventually, right? Yeah, the manned Mars mission. So, oh, um, right. they have signed, they're trying to get people to sign up for a one-way yeah, ticket yeah. to Mars. Essentially, they're putting people in a rocket, sending them to Mars to make a colony, and they don't get to come back. That's terrifying. So, it's uh That's it's insane. it's actually yeah it's terrifying like imagine that like imagine being I don't want to imagine it just being in a rock and being like all right bye earth forever Oh no It's okay they get to be the first to set up habitable I colonies mean, it's on super Mars super cool if it works Right which we've seen from this mission is a big if <laughs> Also, yeah. we can't even get a robot to land without tripping over itself. Like, how are we going <laughs> to get people there? People screw up all the damn time. <laughs> My God, that's terrible. 
That's insane. Yeah, so this is a thing that's been going on for a while now, right? Actually, like a year or two. Uh, yeah, but there was, it was in the news recently um, right. because NASA like officially announced it. No way. And uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of it's kind of a wait. NASA big announced deal, it, but NASA um, doesn't have. What's oh NASA? Okay, so is this NASA's thing? NASA's like, yeah, we're gonna send people to Mars. I'm not actually sure okay. if it's only NASA or if it's other space agencies, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like space agencies space involved agencies. in this. But but the whole point is that um this is getting, uh, this is getting more and more. They're getting it going, really. Yeah, it's, crazy. It's, it's sort of a also crazy speaking idea, like, of space agencies. Shout out to SpaceX for being private and badass. They had something really big recently. Did either of you guys remember that? No. They, uh, <laughs> they like. I think they docked with uh, the international. The yeah, the international oh, space yeah? station. Yeah, it was like a big deal. An independently owned, privately run corporation of space technology docked at the ISS. I believe so. Okay, what was that one that like sort of? My internet's running really slow, so I I'll mean, let recently you know in a there have been some setbacks as well. There have been some rockets that went up, and they then they're yeah. like, "Well, this isn't working. Let's just blow it up in midair." Yes, because like otherwise it would land someplace dangerous. Right. But uh, so we haven't been like we still haven't gotten rockets nailed down yet because oh, there's yeah. too many little things that right. can go wrong. Oh yeah, no, it's so bad. I mean, yeah, lots of like, I mean, some of the worst tragedies in the world have been like oh the o-rings not tight enough no, it wasn't even it wasn't tight enough it was that it like it was supposed to be flexible so that something could press against it and create a seal but it froze and became hard and right. shrank and it like so now there's it's not a seal anymore right and then everything okay. blew up so i may have lied a little bit accidentally so um what i the article i had read initially was that nasa had hired spacex to do like a resupply with the ISS. Okay, which yeah, I do remember hearing about really that. It's really cool. The fact that that even happened is amazing. Like this is just like a bunch of like I I know people who work at SpaceX. Like it's just it's like a privately owned company. It's so crazy. Um but uh that that was what but it's also what you were saying that so Dragon was the mm-hmm. the rocket that they were going to send up and I just read the title of the article and it's dragon cra- splashes into the ocean ending the like month long blah blah blah, blah yeah which is unfortunate so so the the reason the Mars mission is, is in the news now is because of the Orion launch that uh, happened yesterday and uh, so what happened was that this the, this is a test probe for um, a new rocket that's supposed to be sending uh, astronauts to Mars in, in 2030 2030 that's like 15 years we'll be that's I. I can't talk. <laughs> it's very soon in terms of awesomeness. Does that make sense? Oh. Wait, in 2012, Dragon. 2012. In 2012. Okay. Dragon became the first commercial spacecraft in history to deliver cargo to the internet. All right. Okay. So it's now it's just it's just an established thing. They just do that now right. and just screwed up a little. Currently, bit Dragon around. carries cargo to space. It was designed from the beginning to carry humans. Hell yeah. That's super cool. Just goes awesome. to show you, if you can't get anything done through the government, <laughs> make your own corporation. <laughs> also, can we talk about the ISS? Because yeah, that's really that. cool. Yep. <laughs> a bunch of astronauts from all different countries just all living and working together on a freaking space station. Living in a space station. <laughs> living in space. Insane. Well, upper Earth's atmosphere, out of the atmosphere, upper Earth orbit. Okay, might be lower. Which is, I mean, it's space. Yeah, it's space. Well, um, hmm. it's orbiting Earth. So when you're in space and there's no planets anywhere nearby, you're you're in like 
you're floating around because there's no specific gravity pulling right. you anywhere. When you're like on the ISS, uh-huh. there's you're only floating because you're in free fall constantly. Right. Oh, I forgot. Which that. is an yeah, important yeah, yeah. distinction. Right. So like the reason, yeah, that's interesting too. The, like there's a lot of gravity there. Yeah. It's they just don't feel it because they're falling. Yeah. All they're the time. they're 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 falling towards the Earth constantly, but are also shooting away from it. Like they're it's like a, a perpetual yeah. gravity assist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that's what an orbit is. Right. right exactly. An orbit, yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah, um, so full circle. That's, that's completely crazy. Ha, full circle. Ha, ha orbit. Ha, ha. ha. Oh, Except uh, orbits are usually uh, elliptical, yeah, not circular. Yeah, they're not usually circular. It was a joke. Oh, guys. hey, I have a Calm question. Um, so we mentioned that the uh, the Rosetta is orbiting um, the comet. Is, is is it orbiting around like an equator? Is it changing the axis it orbits around so it can get lots of different pictures? From I'm not sure. Areas. I was okay. trying to find information about its speed and things like that, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I didn't Hard have time to, to quit. Okay. Uh, it's, it's probably, I would say probably the answer is I'm guessing complicated I mean, I would, because of the weird ass shape. Of right, right. That would be itself. hard to even. Yeah, because it, yeah, it's not any sort cool. of spherical shape. All right. Um. So I think we're. Gonna, I think that's one yeah, last yeah. thing. Uh, one one more thing I did want to say is that um, with all of this stuff going on, all this amazing technology that we've had, and all these amazing historical milestones that we've reached, there are still people out there who think that the moon landing was faked. Well, I mean, it was. Didn't you see the flag blowing in the wind? <laughs> hate you guys okay we just talked about solar wind um not that that's related uh so uh yeah anyway um we're gonna we're gonna sign off on that note um it was really fun talking about comics sign off on that note like it's like you're actually writing your yeah we're literally signing a note right now no no no, it's on the desk yeah yeah Yeah. shut up it's just a weird Um, i'm taking the microphone away from you (laughs) thank you i appreciate that um hey let me in so yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna turn you back. Uh, I think Big Red Sports Network should be on uh, shortly. And um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for thanks listening. very much I for hope listening. You enjoyed this, and feel free to go learn more about space because goddamn, it's cool. Read Isaac Asimov's books. See Interstellar. Ch- check our blog post and check for all the things you need to do. <laughs> Maybe you're not.